Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. As today we're going to be venturing into Exodus chapter 23, if you have your Bible with you. And again, we're going to be looking at uh, more of the elaborating of, of the laws of God. You know, as we went through the Ten Commandments earlier, uh, God is now really giving some in-depth detail on these commandments that we're looking at. And it's been interesting to see the past uh, couple chapters from between chapter 21 and chapter 22. And uh, just to see the uh, the emphasis on certain of on certain laws that were given, the laws on on uh, violence, animal control laws uh, regarding back then what we would refer to as servants, as we would look at today as employees, and then um, we had responsibility of property in chapter twenty two. Then there was uh, there was also moral and ceremonial principles, and so God's really covering a lot of ground through Moses. And Moses is the deliverer of, of the of these laws that God had spoken to Moses Moses directly. Is Moses is now giving these laws directly to the people because there's going to come a time where they're going to be entering in the land that God promised. And what do you do when you enter land? Well, there's laws that are required. If we didn't have laws, we would be a lawless country. Now there are there are some countries out there, a few of them that are considered lawless today, today and they're an absolute mess. And the laws that we follow today. Especially here in the United States, uh, uh, Great Britain, and certain other uh, places around the world, the laws we're reading today are the laws that that are being followed to this day that was given to Moses by God. And so today we're going to be looking at chapter 23. Chapter 23 has a lot to do with justice for all people, but God just doesn't give the. Uh, uh, that particular law, he's he's continuing to go forward with other things as well. He's gonna tell, he's gonna teach them on the on on things on on annual feasts that they're to have as of as of holidays. And and, and what's interesting about holidays is that we call them holidays nowadays, but they were referred to as holy days. But within time, we've changed the names of certain things. But these holidays, or these feasts, if you will, were regularly known as holy days. Because they were holy unto God. They were holy unto Him because of what He did. And what He got them through. And He told them, celebrate these things. Gather all together, you know, to to celebrate these feasts. And and God's going to deliver three of them in this one. But just to give you some insight, see, God ordained seven feasts to the country of Israel. And then years later, Israel adopted two more uh, that, that were not ordained by God, but they were adopted what we know as the Feast of Purim, Purim uh, which was during the time of Esther, and then we also have Hanukkah. And so that's, uh, that's nine feasts altogether that Israel celebrates. They, they celebrate these things all year long. And they could go on for a week or so. I've said before, you know, there's, there's people who throw parties, but God is the party. And God really knows... How to celebrate. Because we can't even imagine what heaven is like, you know. And, and God brings a little bit of that down here to earth for us to experience. To celebrate the things of Him. The things that He did. You know, God's hand of provision. God's hand of protection. God's hand of love upon all of His people. Then and now. So I, I pray that is, is again, is even though this is a, from, you know, some thousand years ago. A couple, you know, a few thousand years ago or more. That we see ourselves... In that protective hand, that that hand of provision, that hand of love. Because he is the same God, yesterday, today, and forever. 
And though certain things change and certain things um, might, you know, uh, maybe go away in some way, shape, or form, God doesn't, nor does, his, nor does his ways, nor does his holiness. But it's interesting to see these things because we see the foundation of how we live and, and, and we see that there, are, that there was, yes, even though people that don't believe in God will follow these rules because they consider them moralistic, but we see where it came from. We see where the foundation of these things came from. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in chapter 23. Uh, and in this, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. And it says, You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute, so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. You shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. And if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. And if you see the donkey of the one who hates, uh, who hates you lying under its burden, and you would refrain from helping it, that you shall surely help him with it. You shall not pervert the judgment of your, of your poor in his dispute. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not justify the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. Also, you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Well, God is just. And in that, we get justice for all in these nine verses. See, God always makes clear his heart toward the poor. And not that he is against the rich by any means, but God knows us better than we do ourselves. See, the rich over years in ancient biblical times had a problem with oppressing the poor and with harming them for some form of gain. Okay, Justice became perverted in favor of the rich. Uh, the poor, in financial terms, seemed to be close to God in heart. They had nothing holding them back in the form of worrying about their possessions or their money. In fact, you know, churches and countries in, in poverty are some of the richest churches in the form of their walk with God. And he sees that and he knows that. But you see, God takes it a step further. Being kind to your enemies. Because this was unheard of in a world where revenge was the common way of getting justice. The main word in the in the do nots was false, and this is what what are saying is that what God is saying do not do. The do nots were false, a false anything in our actions, and, and it's simple to know because nowhere in existence do you see the word false in regards to God Himself. See, we say today in regards to certain people with status, uh, middle class, um, upper class, lower class. And I've heard uh, one of the more favorite ones, favorite uh, ones, that the haves and the have-nots. And in the eyes of God, you were created by Him in His image. And the have-nots of God are in the worst state that they could ever be in by not having Him as their Father. Because every now and then, I, I like to throw some theological words out there. And, and in this case, we have what would we, uh, we would look at as common grace. And what is common grace? That's provisions, um, like a home, uh, food, clothing, to all people. 
whether they're whether they're of God or not, this was common grace given to all people because Jesus said in the Gospels that God even feeds and provides for the birds of the air. How much more important are you than they to God? Yet he still cares for them. In proving the omniscience of God, Jesus also said that not even a bird falls from the sky without the Father knowing or approving of it. See, God is giving us important instructions in regards to everyday life. Because no one was to be dealt with in falsehood. Though God has a heart for the poor, you know, being righteous and just, he would never stand for the poor stealing from the rich. There are people out there that you may despise and you would give anything to see their demise. Well, God does not approve of that either. Okay, an enemy's ox or donkey goes astray and you see it. You are required to return it safely, and really by doing that, it could be the start of a good thing that no longer maybe having an enemy. And I recall where it says, um, I recall where it says, heaping burning coals on the heads of your enemies in Proverbs chapter 25 verse 22. Now, it sounds more like a form of punishment, but what it means is that your neighbor, like for instance, if your neighbor would be an enemy, and in, let's go back into these old days here, in the ancient days. Your enemy's a neighbor. And you notice that their coals were out, in which they used to keep warm from the cold. And, and you would put coals in the basket. And it, normally it would be carried on the top of your head. And you would place it on their head, saying that I noticed your fire was out. Here, I have some extra for you. We may not like someone for whatever reason. But by God's command, we are to never cause a false witness or a statement against anyone. If you have lived long enough, you have probably been a victim of a false lie. Maybe perhaps you have given a false lie about someone. But put yourself in the victim's shoes here and remember how it felt. See now why God is always so good and holy in all ways. Let's look at verse 14 to 19. Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You, you shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded you at the time of uh, commanded you at the time of appointed in the in the month of Ibib. For in that you came out of Egypt, none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of the harvest, the first fruits of your labors, which you have sown in the field, and the feast of in, of in gathering at the end of the year. And when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field, three times in the year all your males shall appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land shall you bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, we're seeing three feasts. And I mentioned that earlier as we were getting started. Um, that the Lord was instituting. We celebrate birthdays and anniversaries. And we do our best to never forget them, right? Because God is requiring the same, but in the form of celebration of Him. These were basic instructions on the three feasts, but God will give later um, more in-depth details in these feasts in the book of Leviticus. 
And as I said before, altogether there's seven feasts that God will ordain, but in these three, God commanded that all men in Israel were required to be there, age 20 and above was what was required. But all ages were welcome. Even, even foreigners living in Israel were welcomed by God. He commanded that. But in the depth of what God is saying here, in regards to blood sacrifice, uh, first fruits and a young goat in the mother's milk were for good reason. See, leaven and bread was a representation of sin. And a small pinch of it causes bread to swell and grow. And, and just from a pinch, and that leaven was typically, a, it was considered a dirty piece of yeast dough that was used to make it bigger. And I've been studying and researching the Jewish customs over the years, and it's quite vast. Um, many, thing, many things to observe and to follow. Uh, the fat of the sacrifice was to be given to God. Okay, the first, the best portion of the first fruits of the land was another feast. And Israel will be moving into a land of milk and honey, which means rich resources. And today, today Israel is one of the top uh, producing nations of fruits and vegetables in the Middle East. See, they will be blessed in provisions, and God required that the first fruits were to be given to him. See, he provides and he guides. And these foods cannot be made by man. It was the hand of God that provided and allowed the growth. So why it makes sense to give him the first fruits because no man can create fruits and vegetables. If we did or attempted, it would be destroyed. Now, we're looking now at a, a boiling a young kid goat in its mother's milk. Now, we see that and say, what in the world is that? Well, when God said not to do certain things, I want to remind us here, when he said not to do certain things, it was because the neighboring countries of Israel were practicing certain things in a pagan way. But on top of the pagan practices, this was inhumane to God in the creation of his animals. It was most likely practiced in Canaan, where they were moving into. It was a ritual that did nothing but harm the animal. And the laws would be practiced to uh, the laws would be practiced to keep a mother away from the death of its offspring, even though they were animals. God created them with a care and a nurturing to where they're young, and it was harmful to the mother that you have heard that you you never mess with a mother's bear uh, a mother bear's cubs, because that right there is a death sentence, right? Because God created them to have that caring and nurturing towards their young, just as we do to our children. Now some will say, well, that's why I'm a vegetarian or a vegan. And, and that's fine. But, you know, God did create animals for our food, but there, there, um, there was ways to do things. And this was not one of them. If you're familiar with kosher laws and the diet, uh, of observant Jews will not eat meat and milk at the same time. It's it's quite interesting. If you were to if you were to observe their kosher laws, they will not eat meat and milk at the same time. Uh, if there was a cheeseburger, perhaps there was a thought. The thought process was that the milk that made the cheese came from the cow that was used for the burger, and, and to be safe in the observing, they refused to mix them together, not knowing if it did come from the same cow. So they didn't want to take any chances. But God is all knowing, and whether it makes sense to us or not. God can be trusted. But praise be to him, right? Because he, he gave us his word to understand him and his ways. 
verse 20 to 26 says, Behold, I set an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice, and do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into an, uh, to the Amorites and to the Hittites and to the Perizzites and to the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless you um, your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. And no one shall suffer miscarriages or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days." So an angel of God is sent before them. Now, we did not hear the names of many angels in the Bible. We had Mark, Michael the archangel and Gabriel were two of the most mentioned by name. But angels were mentioned in their actions. And this particular angel was one uh, unique, as they are created differently with ranks like that of a military. But we look at the Greek word for angels, which is angelos, and it means uh, messengers. And in the Hebrew, the, the word for angel is malak, and that means to send forth in the Hebrew. And that is what God is doing. He's sending forth this angel. Now, my name is in him, is what God said. Now, God himself, a manifestation into an angel perhaps, we know, God gave, uh, we, we know that God came down in the form of a cloud and in the form of a flame at night to guide them in the dark in a cloud in the day to, to keep them shaded as they travel. And, and so, however it happened, it was God sent. But as always, God gave the warning of other gods and beliefs in the land of Canaan. Which is why we put, uh, you shall have no other gods before me as the number one commandment. That is what God said. That was the very first commandment out of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. And I've heard questions and comments on why would God rid of the Canaanites? A lot of people have asked that. Why would God have rid of the Canaanites and all these other places? See, most who question that have no idea of the vile and detestable things that they have done over the years to their own people and children. God gave years and years to repent, but they continued in their ways. See, their gods that they created represent, represented the horrible and vile things that they were doing. That is why God said, do not follow their gods, because they were murdering the, their family members, their children, and they were doing all sorts of other dis, uh, vile and detestable things. And if you've ever studied mythology, the majority of gods out there were gods in regards of wrath, death, and other strange things. They never cared, loved, or guided the people because they never existed. Hundreds of years after this event, Israel will fall into what God said not to do, unfortunately. And the, see, the worship of a god named uh, Baal, B-A-A-L, the god of weather and fertility, 
God pointed out to his prophet of that time, the prophet Elijah, that there was 7,000 people in the country of Israel that did not worship Baal. Now, 7,000 people in a country is not much when there was most likely a few, a few million in population at that time. But out of the whole country, only a small town worth of people did not bow down to Baal. And that was a horrible time in Israel. They did not see rain for a few years, and that was, and that was desperate times in that nation. So what God is saying here is simple. If you stand too close to a fire or a furnace, you will eventually get burned. If we have turmoil in our homes, if we have violence and corruption in our neighborhoods, would we not want to change? Would we not want to, to know what to do? See, the angel is a guide. Obey the guidance as he was sent by God because there was a wonderful blessing of provisions and a promise of life. He said, no miscarriages among you. Your bread and water will be blessed. There will be no sickness amongst them. And that is the love of God. Because barrenness in a woman was looked at as a curse in Israel. And, and this law showed the blessings of the obedient. Now, why women miscarry is not necessarily a curse. Um, it's a very hard thing to happen, but God is in control. I remember in the beginning of Exodus when the Pharaoh commanded that all Hebrew males born be killed. The midwives of the, uh, that were under Pharaoh said that we cannot get them all. They're just, they just kept having children. We cannot keep up with them. And during the travels in the desert, I'm sure there was complications in pregnant women, but see, God's promises remain, right? Now, as we continue, we're going to look at verse 27 to 33 to see what else uh, God is going to say here. But he says, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land becomes desolate, and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased, and you inherit the land. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the Sea of Philistia, and from the desert to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. You know, God works in mysterious ways. I'll send hornets before you, and, and that would clear people, uh, people out, especially in a large swarm. But why not clear everyone out all at once from that land, right? And that's, many can speculate. See, but God always has a perfect reason for what he did. But we can see that even at this time, the land was plentiful. And God made it a point here about the land becoming desolate. You know, Christ himself said that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few in the form of the ministry and in the mission field. But God would be using this as a way to preserve the land until the time came for them to grow and populate that land. See what he's doing here. See, the size of the land that was to be given to them was pretty large, but they did not possess all of what God gave them gave the, uh, as of the country of Israel. Uh, Israel now is about the size of the state of New Jersey in the United States. 
not very big. But in, in these borders, there will be beliefs and practices that, that they should not take part of. Now, unfortunately, they did not listen over the years as they disobeyed this command and the people suffered. But see, God knew his people would need extra strength and God gives it, but maintaining it is another thing. See, influence is a very powerful thing. Influence has been used in the light or the dark. See, you don't have to speak a word in some cases. Just your presence and actions can become an influence. And if you have children, you have children, then realize that more realize that more is caught than it is taught. And you know that they pick up more of our words and our traits and actions more so than they ever listen to our instructions. The people over time will fall into both the ways, uh, the ways, the words, and the presence of the wrong people and places. Then there are the influence of the light. Yeah, Moses and Aaron were the great examples of that. And God used them to be that leadership example. And, and, and some will be called to evangelize. Some will be called to teach the word of God. Others will be called to serve in some capacity. Some will speak out loud. Others will do things showing that, that love. And, and, and when you combine the two... When you combine those two things, from between those that are able to speak the words of God and to show the love of God, you will see effective example of God's light as you will see the effective drawing from those who influence from the dark. See, God always wants the best for his people. And he gave the keys. And, and if you will unlock the right doors, right? Well, what was those keys? What, what were those keys, right? We're looking at it right here. His word. These are the keys to many doors that open to a room filled with light. And praise him for giving us insight on what the rooms filled with darkness look like. So that way we don't open those, uh, those doors. The one key everyone should want is, is the key that gets offered at the end of every sermon. The one key everyone should want is the receiving of his only begotten son, Christ Jesus, as the receiving, as receiving him as your Lord and Savior. That is the key to heaven from his words. Everything else is, is the perfect guide to operate here on earth, because the Bible is not just a mere book. It's, it's the most vast library that you will ever have. A library vital to your life and your eternity. But the time is now to make that important decision. That important decision to receive the Lord into your heart. Many have been struggling for years. Many have been opposing for years. Many have been fighting for years. Not wanting a part of this. Maybe for whatever reason, out of fear. That of unknown. Well, if there's one thing you want to know, it's where you're going when your time is up. And there was a promise given a promise given to us by the Lord himself that whoever should receive him will have everlasting life in heaven with him. And that's what this is about. It's about that time to receive him. You're hearing the word of God being taught. And we're going through the Bible together. In all of this here that we're reading were things that happened. 
God's hand was all over the place on this earth that he created. And his hand created a heavenly place that is, that is beyond anything in speech. And I want to make sure that, that I get to see it, you know. And he wants to make sure that we get to see it by receiving him to be there with him. But we have to believe in him and we have to receive him in order to do that. I want to give the opportunity, if you've been led, to receive him now. That you can become him. You can become his. You can become a part of his family. You can become a part of his kingdom. By receiving him as your Lord and Savior. As your Father. And I want to give you that opportunity right now. Because he wants everyone. He, he, he sent his only begotten son to die for the sins of this world. So if you believe... And if you want to receive, say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner, Lord. And I ask, Lord, for you to receive me, Lord, into your kingdom when my time comes. As right now I receive you into my heart as my Lord, my Savior, and as my Father. I thank you for dying for me on the cross. I thank you for receiving me, Lord, as one of your own. As I receive you now as my Father, my Lord and Savior. And Father, again, may I walk with you all of the days of my life. As I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, God bless you as always. I want to ask that, uh, that you continue just to follow along. We want to be able to get to know who God is, right? We want to be able to know what God is doing. See, we can read about what he's done, but we can also tell people about what he's doing right now as we speak. And that's the beauty of walking with God. So may we continue to see and hear from him. So may God bless you. May he bless your families and those around you. And may you be a light unto him and to this world through him. God bless you.